If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. You bet your ass, baby. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there. That even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host Eddie Trunk. Hey folks, it's Eddie Trunk, and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for checking it out. Thank you for listening. As I always tell you, the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk podcast originate on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation and heard Monday through Friday live on volume, Sirius XM channel 106, nightly re-airs 10 to midnight Eastern, anything you want, anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. Appreciate you all tuning in and spreading the word about the podcast. If you only listen to this podcast and you're in the U.S. or Canada and you don't listen on Sirius XM, you're only getting a tiny, tiny fraction of what I do on a regular basis on the radio. Hope you come on board and join me every day on volume. Of course, there's a sixth show on Hair Nation on Mondays, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern, terrestrial radio show, social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook, eddietrunk.com is the website. Interview for you this week happened from my Vegas home studio a couple weeks ago. Uh, there are so many artists living and based in Vegas now. It's incredible. One of the reasons why I'm so happy to have a place there. And one of the guys that dropped by a little over a week ago was DJ Ashba, who has been a Vegas resident for over 10 years. And DJ, of course, you know best for having been in Guns N' Roses for a number of years. We touch on that. We talk about a band he had called Beautiful Creatures, which I liked a lot. We talk about what he's doing now. And of course, the band he has with Nikki Six called 6AM. It's a great conversation. Here it is, DJ Ashba on this week's podcast. 
Here's a guy who saw this coming, the Vegas renaissance, if you will, of <laughs> musicians moving here. We were just talking about it off the air, and he's been here now uh, coming up on 12 years, Yeah, and he is DJ Ashburn. Good to see you, dude. You too, brother. You're my neighbor. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I didn't I, know you were like literally, when I bought this place, everybody's like, oh yeah, Ashburn's right over there. Yeah, I just left my house, and it's, it said eight minutes, and I was like, wow, this yeah, is yeah. awesome. Well, we'll have to barbecue one day together. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> This is what, insane. When, what what compelled you to relocate to Vegas? Because now we talked about how many people are here now. Like yeah. it's it's either here or Nashville that the music community is is moving. But you yeah. were ahead of the curve back in 2010, right? What brought you here? <laughs> I was told a long time ago: the minute you finally make money, get out of L.A. That's what I was told. So smart. I I when who I who told you that? By the way, I can't remember. I I. I think it was Nikki if I if I remember who just right. got out of LA yeah 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 and uh so the thing about it is the minute you know I got the gig for GNR and was all of a sudden went from being broke to having money so I just saved 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 and uh 2010 I was like ready to buy my first house and and that was it. And it was just common sense. I don't know anything about real estate. Um, I, you know, I literally locked out and Vegas was that place when you have a breakup, it's like the go-to spot, the happy place, you know? And I was like, if I can live anywhere in the world, why not Vegas? You know, I've lived in LA 22 years and I was looking for houses there and it's like shoe boxes for the amount of money. And so it was just like common sense. Like, why would I buy and live here if I could, you know, live a three hour flight away? No state in, tax in, in, in a in a palace for the same amount. Right, so, three yeah. hour three hour drive flight uh, forty five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so and now so many are here. It's crazy, and obviously anything you want is here, and, and L.A. is right there. But it's changed a lot, right? Big I mean, time. it's just blowing up. Yeah, because when I bought my house, I live on a golf course, and I never saw a neighbor for four years. I mean, the economy is so bad. Um, you know, 2008, everything crashed. Right. 2010, it wasn't much better. So I happened to get this really nice house for, you know, a great, great price and moved in, never saw a neighbor for four years because I found out a lot of the big houses over on the golf course are people's vacation homes. Mm. So four years later, the, you know, I remember hearing the neighbor for the first time and freaked out. I mean, it was like, the apocalypse walking through the neighborhood didn't see a soul yeah. it's creepy almost yeah um but i loved where i lived and i loved the house and and uh, and now it's just booming but now the house is worth three times what i paid and it's it's insane yeah. i just lucked out yeah it really is it's it's uh it's pretty interesting to see what's happening here and it's really re very cool and I, I've always wanted to have a place here. I'm, st I'm still part-time, but hopefully one yeah. day I'll be full-time. And yeah. it's just to, to see it just blowing up like it is, is is awesome and such a great music community here. You originally, for people that don't know, you were, you're from Indiana originally, I am. right? Yeah, I was born there. So yeah. when you when you uprooted, how old were you when you pulled up this, the you know, left the family and went for the dream in Hollywood. I was, I moved out when I was 16 and lived in a trailer out, out in the outskirts of town. And I moved when I was 20 because in my mind, I, I would have moved sooner, but 20, I was like, if I get out there, I can't play bars unless I'm 21. So that was my mentality. Right. Um, how am I going to live? What am I going to do? And so it was like 10 days before my 21st birthday, I started, 
I did the drive in a little purple, purple minivan and the little U-Haul on the back listening to Bat Out of Hell all the way there. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're fun. an adult at 20, so you can do your own thing. But were yeah. your parents supportive of you doing that? Do- N- not really. I mean, I'm, I'm from a very religious family, so I grew up without TVs. Um, soup, it's basically, it's called apostolic Christian. So it's like the Amish with electricity basically oh wow so it's really strict like uh you can't wear jewelry makeup nothing and that's probably why it turned out the way i was gonna say you're covered in tattoos (laughs) and and you got a makeup and you got a thing in your lip and (laughs) yeah yeah. so you went hard the other way when you got out of there yeah no tvs to like 21 in my house you got 21 that's funny you actually (laughs) said that before we got on the air you go yeah "Yeah, dude i got 21 tvs in my house (laughs) but i don't watch tv that's because i i didn't grow up watching tv so it's it's a weird thing but it's a comfort thing i think right right. (laughs) if you need a tv i got tons i got 32 and under my stage and i just bought a couple i wish i would have known from my place i could have come over and bought them from you Oh man i would have given them to you i have so many tvs so parents weren't so down with it but you you go for it and uh when you get to la you're correct me if i'm what was the was beautiful creatures the first thing no it was a band i joined well i knew one guy in la uh, I'm sorry, in, in yeah, L.A., and uh, his name was Vince Aquat, and he was with a cover band that used to be an original band called Barracuda, and they were all from Chicago, and he invited me out, and I went out to visit, and I knew, I was like, I got to move here. This is it, you know, and I moved. I flew him one way, and he helped me do the drive out, let me stay in the band house and and i joined barracuda and we literally played cover songs every night of the week all up the west coast what were you playing like what kind of stuff all the all the classics you know classic hard rock yeah classic hard rock uh you know anytime you go see a classic rock band it's it's the same covers pretty much you know i'm assuming Um, barracuda by heart was the big moment (laughs) yeah that's the big encore (laughs) um but i guess they had back in the day uh like one song on mtv that did pretty well uh i don't know much about the band uh so you're working though. You're you're you know you're doing covers and you're yeah. working and you're living in L.A. and you're young and yeah. Where and where did it go? Where did where did Beautiful Creatures come in? That came. Um, you were in Bullet Boys. Right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, who I, just imploded again today? By the way, so they might need to get somebody to work with them. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Mark don't get along. <laughs> well, apparently, there's others he doesn't get along with either because the whole band left again today. Yeah, yeah he's got some issues, but, um, but I was friends with Lonnie and Lonnie. Uh, they they uh, something happened to their guitar player, and and it was kind of my first opportunity. I was like, yeah, you know. Um, I'd love to fill in. It was just a fill in for one tour, something like that. Okay. And I think I left the tour early cause I kind of butted heads with, with Mark, but th- that was kind of the first little taste of getting out there. And I met Joe Lestay out there. Cause we so toured was, with was Bang Tango and, on the bill? Yeah, Is that how you met yeah, Joe? Yeah. So we, we met Joe through, it was enough's enough Bang Tango and Bullet Boys. Okay. So um so after that tour i remember joe coming up he pulled in my driveway and i looked out and i go i said if he's here to get me to join bang tango he can fuck off (laughs) (laughs) but he knocked on the door he he was just like so cool and he's like hey man do you want to start a new band and i was like fuck yeah let's do it and that's kind of how beautiful creatures started that record was great yeah that first record record was great why do you think it didn't happen 
I I don't know. I think it was maybe a little too ahead of its time, maybe. I mean, it was it was a cool record. Cool record cover too, if I remember. Wasn't it yeah. like the a BC and like silver? Yeah. On yeah. black. It was really cool packaging. Yeah. I have the CD still. I yeah. mean, really great record. It's a fun record. It's something I will always be proud of that record. And I kind of really with Sean Bevins produced it, but he really helped me kind of hone in my style. I would say he really pushed me hard as a guitarist and I was young. Um, he introduced me to a lot of really cool effects pedals and, and a wah pedal, which I'd never used before and spring loaded Morley wah. So, um, it just, I, instead of playing it like a real wah, I just played it like a kick drum. So it more of a rhythmatic thing and, you know, wow, 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 you know, gave me a, you know, and once I plugged that in, you know, it just was like opening a whole new door for my playing, you know, and it was really fun from the whammy pedals to the wah pedals and the envelope filter on 1am, which was a cool effect you know it was a cool pedal which i've carried on to you know skin or uh uh what was 6 a.m song we've written so many um there's a 6 a.m song that uh, i use the same pedal and i can't even think of it because we released like 90 songs so. <laughs> well we'll get to 6 a.m uh, <laughs> in a second here but yeah. on on beautiful creatures did you was it demoralizing for you to have that record not happen? Like that was like, cause that's really your first major thing. It was, it was, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, we were doing really cool tours. We got the crew fest. Uh, we, well, before that we had Ozfest 2001 and that was our first, uh, I guess before that we, our first gig ever was opening up for kiss. Um, Ted Nugent pulled out or he was banned from Detroit or something weird. <laughs> and we just luckily we were on Warner Brothers and we got the call to, to do it. And I remember we were pulling into the uh, uh, it was an outdoor amphitheater and in Detroit, which is huge for obviously Kiss, you know, we're pulling in and I mean, people for days. And I remember we still didn't have a band name. We were rolling in there. We didn't have beautiful creatures. And. Joe's like, what are we going to call ourselves? We need a name. And the label was really pressuring us to get a name before they would release the record. And it was going to hold up the record. Um, we could not come up with a name. We played under Ego Star. <laughs> that was the name? Yeah, for that first show. That's not a bad name. Yeah. Joe's like, I don't know. Uh, something Star would be cool. I go, let's, let's go with Ego. <laughs> and I don't know. It just happened in the van pulling into the venue. So on stage for the first time, he's like, we're Ego Star. And it's so... Yeah. It's not a horrible name, actually. Uh, yeah. Then, but then you decided <laughs> not to hang with it. Obviously. Yeah. So, so uh, I remember we had a big dinner meeting with uh, peeps from Warner Brothers, and we were walking in, and Joe's like, "Dude, I can't think of a name." I go, "I can't either." And they said, "If we don't have a name, they're holding the record up." And we walked in. We we're walking down uh, Sunset or Hollywood Boulevard, and some dude just handed us a business card promoting some play he was doing. And we picked it up and it said, beautiful creatures. I go, that's it. And we walked in and yeah, we want to call it beautiful creatures. And we rolled, <laughs> completely stole some dudes fucking. <laughs> um, and that's how it happened. But you, so you left the band. They continued for a little bit right, after you. Right. I think they've actually made a second record. Right? They did. I, I yeah, think, right? Yeah. But you, did you leave because you had another offer at that point or you were just demoralized? You didn't I, think that was going anywhere. I was pretty crushed. So what happened is when I, Tom Wally came into Warner Brothers and Tom really, for some reason, liked me and uh, kind of 
I, I don't know if Joe rubbed him wrong at we, we went to his house party and Lincoln Park was there, everybody was there and we were out on uh Ozfest, so he invited us over. And I think Joe got drunk and said something stupid like, What how does it feel to have a real rock band on your label? He's uh, talking to Tom Wally from Warner Brothers. Yeah, I'm for going, people that don't Dude. know, Tom is a major <laughs> executive player in He's the music huge. industry yeah. in terms of signing bands and president of labels. I, yeah. I knew Tom back in the day. So, it's, yeah, he's a major guy. And Tom is awesome. And Tom yeah. has always had tons of uh, showed me nothing but respect. And and uh, so what happened is I guess that rubbed him wrong. Whatever happened. Go figure. The next day <laughs> we were like dropped. Off the oh, oh really? Yeah. The next day, we we got called into a meeting, and Gloria Butler, who's geezer's geezer's wife, right? I know Gloria. Uh, she managed the band at the time. I and, didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know she managed you guys. She introduced me to Sharon. Um, you know they're here now too. Yeah. So, it, yeah, so many stories. But I was in the studio doing the Beautiful Creatures record. Guns and Roses was in the next room recording Chinese. We went off and had a whole career tour, came back, and they're still recording Chinese. <laughs> you could have done 10 tours <laughs> right, and they were doing right. Chinese democracy. But what was cool is is Sharon introduced me to Axel. So it, it was just this weird thing. I was in the studio in between takes, and Sean was having problems with some. I picked up an acoustic, and I'm waiting around, and I started playing D. Now, wait, this is the first or second Beautiful Creatures first, record? First one. First record. I only did the first one. Okay. Record. Yeah. So I'm in there playing D, and all of a sudden, I look up, and this lady's in the doorway crying, like tears, and it's Sharon. And I, I was like, she goes, you got to play that for my husband. And I was like, whoa. You know, it was, it was incredible. And you mean D, the instrumental? Yeah, right. by, by Randy Rhodes. Right. And, and, um, and, Glor and so Sharon goes... Axel's in the next room. I'd love to introduce you, Axel. So I went over there. Me and Axel are both from Indiana. And was, was Sharon involved with guns at the time at all? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. What, I think she was. I don't believe so. I think she was there to visit Glory because her and Glory are great friends, obviously. Right. Um, um, and she took me over. I met Axel. He was dope. Uh, it was really cool to, to meet him finally. And uh, and that was kind of that story. So that's the first time you met Axl Rose. You're doing yes. Beautiful Creatures. They're working on the 13-year yeah. odyssey of Chinese democracy. Yeah. yeah. And then and you guys, the Indiana thing comes into play, I'm yeah. thinking, right? Yeah. Kind of, yeah, it Whereas, did. Were you from the same area of Indiana? Very close, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm from Monticello, so we, we were like 45 minutes away from each other. So right. it's really close. Do you have mutual friends or anything? No. He's older than he you, is, obviously. Yeah. Ten, yeah. Good 10, 15 years, probably. Yeah. Yeah. But so that was the initial meeting. And then you guys go your own ways. Yeah, there. we went our own ways. I went off to tour and then go back to the previous conversation. We get dropped. Uh, we go into this meeting with Gloria and uh, good news and bad news, guys throws down a contract. And they said, bad news is uh, Tom's, you know, Tom Wally, Tom, the guy who's he's dropping the, the band. He's dropping the you. band, but right in front of the band, they drop a contract, say, but he wants to sign you as a solo artist. You, DJ. In front of my band. Oh, wow. <laughs> the band I helped start, create, write the songs. And, uh, you know, and I, I just, I was young. I probably should have said, fuck it, let's roll. <laughs> but, you know, being from Indiana, I'm very loyal to my friends. And I was like, fuck that. And I walked out of the room and, and uh, never signed the contract. 
Um, and that was kind of that, and that was kind of the end of the the uh, first, the original lineup, you know. Right, right. And then I just went off into to kind of a really depressing hiding for about a year or two, writing songs and and uh, you know met Nikki at a uh, at Randy Castillo's funeral, and because uh, I played on a, a cover album with Randy, uh, Ted Nugent tribute record, <laughs> and yeah, and that's how I met Nikki. So when you meet Nikki, Nikki Six, of course, is who we're talking about. Uh, you, you, you guys do do you immediately connect? Is he aware of your history? Is he aware of what you've yeah. done at that point? Yeah, we 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 really uh, we didn't talk much at the funeral. You know, he was really cool. Came up, said, "Hey, you know, I I didn't think he knew anything about me. It was very quick." And uh, and then fast forward, I got a call from Danny Wimmer. And he was working on a band, managing a band called Operator, and wanted me to join that band. And Danny Wimmer, the concert promoter. Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, so I said, "Yeah, let's do it." And it was on, I believe, Interscope. So it came down to they wanted me to sign the deal and join the band, right? Well, the I think it was like the day or two before that was all going down. I get a random call. I have no idea how he got my number. Nikki calls me. I remember I was at the car wash on uh, Ventura and he goes, Hey bro, it's Nikki six. And he goes, blah, blah, blah. What are you doing today? I go, I got rehearsal in like an hour. And, and uh, he goes, Hey, do you mind if I come down and watch your rehearsal? And I was like, what the fuck? Like, Number one, how does he even know me? I only said hi to him at a funeral. Right. How did he get my number and why the fuck would he want to waste his time coming down to watch? So I find it I found it really bizarre. Um, but I said, Yeah, fuck, that'd be killer. Didn't think he'd show up. He showed up, sat through the whole rehearsal. Really bizarre. This Ab- band operator. Operator. Doing. Okay. Yeah. And, and what that, kind of music was that? It was heavy. Okay. Heavy. Um, aggressive, heavy. Did anything ever happen with them? No. Okay. Not that I know of. Um, and afterwards he, uh, he walked out in the parking lot and said, Hey, I wanted to invite you up to the house and, uh, write some songs with you. And that's, it was weird. And I went up there and we wrote four songs that day. And he goes, if you don't sign this deal, I'd like you to partner up with me at funny farm as producing writing partners. And we can write and produce for other, other people. So I ended up saying fuck yeah dude it's fucking nikki six so it wasn't with the intent of 6 a.m it was more of just like writing production let's be partners it wasn't really never we're gonna do a band together never never and when did that come up still don't look at ourselves as being that yeah it is it is kind of a weird thing because 6 a.m is this thing that kind of pops up every once in a while and then goes underground and up and down but where does james michael come into it then so uh, you know, at the time, James was a producer in town. I never knew he sang ever. I worked with him for many years. Uh, he would, I would be the guy he would call if he needed a guitarist on somebody's album. So I'd, I'd do a lot of studio work for James. Did you do a lot of ghost stuff that we don't know about? Uh, some stuff, yeah. Anything you can talk about? Anything uh, we'd know? And he's like, "That's really me." Motley. No, I'm well, 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 well. Saints of Los Angeles. You co-wrote most, yeah, most of the I, record, I, right? I, yeah. And I, did you contribute some guitars to it? I played all the rhythms on it. All the rhythm guitars. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, but Mick was awesome. Mick was actually in the hospital at the time, and and um, you know, but it's uh, you know, 
<laughs> Dude, I don't want to get in trouble, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I don't so, know. All right. But um, it's one how about those... uh, how about non motley related stuff like uh, you hear from these guys like yeah it was actually me that played on I, I don't know the first uh, uh, winger record or the first you know warrant record is really Mike Slammer back in the day yeah, like I, I played that's on... all come out now is there stuff like that I, I worked with a lot of people I worked with uh, Neil Diamond uh, I worked with uh, God so many people um, Drowning Pool me and Nikki worked with. Uh, drowning pool in the very beginning and it was awesome i mean you know i i've learned a ton you know along the way ton from from you know everybody i've worked with it's been it's been a lot of fun you know we've had a long long history me james and nikki and and james like me and nikki became writing producing partners out at funny farm and I learned a lot. From what was Funny Farm? Was it his own studio? Yeah. Or was it, yeah. It was his thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I learned a lot from from Six. You know, he kind of took me under his wing as my big brother. I still look look up to him like that, you know, and, and he's always just been, you know, uh, a mentor. I mean, he was he was the first dude I've ever seen live in concert when I was 16 was Motley Crue. You know? Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was really cool for him to kind of, you know, bring me on board and, and, um, we've, we worked together on a lot of different people stuff. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And 6am was just kind of a fluke. Nikki wanted to, uh, he dug up the, you know, some diaries from his storage, uh, the heroin diaries and basically came in with the idea of, and the intent of originally, we we're just going to write a bunch of songs to bring them, bring it to life musically. And, uh, and never once was it a band thing. In fact, we we're just going to release a soundtrack to the book and have different singers. I remember he called up tons of different people. Like he, we, we, we were in talks with Chester to do a song. Chester Bennington. Yeah. Different yeah. singers. And, you know, James one day he was like, Hey man, I'd love to take a crack at it. And we we're like, all right had no neither idea. of you guys knew he could no sing. no because he was just such a producer so he's he's very to himself you know he's he's uh you know more of a i would say more of a he's a genius behind the behind the uh desk in a in a studio it's incredible what he can do but he's more i would say uh a recluse he's he's very much doesn't really come out of his which head. is not which is not what is traditional for what would be a singer frontman exactly which is his role in 6 a.m exactly so when he sent over the demos everybody was floored like me and nikki's jaw dropped i remember we were like holy fuck not only are you singing on this song you're singing on <laughs> every single song we we were blown away by his voice and and that was it and and still at that point it wasn't <clears throat> we're a band we, I mean, we wrote the whole record, turned it in. It was just a soundtrack. They released it. We uh, came up with a name just to come up with it. And it was 6 a.m. I came up with the name. Um, you know, I remember calling Nikki and I said, why don't we call it 6 a.m.? And he goes, what do you mean? And I go, like 6 Ashba Michael. Yeah. But spell it with the colons and the periods and kind of like a timestamp. But, and that's kind of how that, that came about. And, um, you know, and it was one of those things where not until they released the first single, Life is Beautiful, and it blew up the charts. And we get a call from Alan Kovac 
saying, you guys are now a band. And we're like, no, we're not. We still fight them to this day. We don't, we don't look at us like a band. We look at us like three best friends, three songwriters, three producers, like a, a team. That, it's like a collective. Yeah. And you come together because, yeah. because you just did new stuff yeah. for Nikki's yeah. book. Yeah. I just did a yeah. big thing with Nikki yeah. in LA for his book a couple months ago. And I know that yeah. there was a companion uh, compilation record and yeah. a couple new songs you did. Um, and I imagine for him to do it with you and James when yeah. he wants to do something quickly and efficiently like that is probably a little easier than running it through the Motley machine and making Motley yeah, songs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've, we've, we've had so much fun. I mean, we'll sit and laugh our way and we, we write about really heavy, deep, dark, depressing things. <laughs> But it's it's crazy how it's helped a lot of people out there get through some really tough. Oh, times. life is beautiful yeah. has become yeah. a, a yeah. Um, unbelievably important song to yeah. a lot of people and a great song. Yeah. Did you know that impact that was going to have when no. you guys wrote that? No, we just we knew we had a good song on our hand. We just didn't know it was going to connect the way it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge, huge connect there. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, "I'm okay," when the truth is. I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Save big money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Hanging with DJ Ashba today, and DJ's kind of going through a little uh, mini This Is Your Life with him, going through a, <laughs> a really incredible career that continues. Uh, but before we get to what you're doing now, just going back to your collaborations with 6AM, what is it? what was it like working with Nikki as a writer? Because mm -hmm. we all know Nikki is a great writer and mm -hmm. uh, prides himself on writing. When you sit down and write with him, mm -hmm. What, how does that go? Do you, is he going to be more on the lyric side? You on the music side? Do you just feel it out? What, because you got to have a chemistry yeah. with somebody to co-write songs, yeah. right? Yeah. It, did, was that immediate or did you have it, to feel that out? It was immediate. Me and James and Nikki, we get in a room and we literally can finish each other's sentences, basically. I mean, he, Nikki's phenomenal at lyrics. He's, he's great at uh, putting that right dark twist on on a sentence um to make it even more badass you know and um he's he's great at that he's great at uh just coming up with really cool ideas slightly out of the box you know and um musically yeah we all three just grab acoustics we literally sit in a circle everybody has an acoustic and we just strum jam and it's it's real fast and easy it's mm. it's the weirdest thing um you know, a lot of the records were, you know, written just us sitting around and uh, we never really work stuff out. We just, you know, jam on acoustics. We have a, you know, being recorded the entire time and we'll go back and just find these little ideas that are just 
magic. It's like, wow, that part right there is really cool. And we'll build off of that, you know, and, and we'll get the nine times out of 10, we'll do the music first. And then, and then we all three kind of get in there and, and really hone in. But, but I would say lyrics, you know, that's, uh, that's probably his forte. You know? Uh, jump into GNR for a second. How many years are you there? Five, six years? I was just going on seven. Going on just, seven. Just over s- about six and a half, I think. And so the whole time know. you were there, the other two guitar players were, were Bumble and, and Richard. Richard. Yeah. So you were in a three guitar deal. Yeah. And what was the latest you ever went on? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, your era forever known for the, of course, I mentioned yesterday yeah. when you were coming on the infamous <laughs> Axel interview where you sat there right. between us at, right. in Miami, which happened at like 530 in the morning because yes. you guys went on at like 1215. Yeah. But um, what, what do you like as a band <laughs> member? I know it was, it's Axel's show, but yeah. when that was because that's not going on now since the reunion. No. But what was that really about in your view? And are you sitting there like at eight o'clock ready to go? And like you can't say anything, but you, you got to kill four hours. Like yeah. what, what was really going on in your view? To this day, I, I'm not sure. I don't know if it was just his way of uh, getting the crowd so, you know, pissed off so when the lights go down and they hear the guitar you know that that all that build-up energy turns into because gnr fans are fucking awesome they 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 lose their minds they are passionate they're passionate they're loyal they're they're i can't say enough good things about the gnr fans there's i've never seen anything like it um so i don't know i i I don't know if that's something that's intentional or not, but uh, he definitely knows what he's doing. <laughs> so you guys were just waiting for the cue to go on, whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. But the average time well, was we'd probably... Be, we'd be hammered. I, I know. I was stage. at some of the yeah. shows. <laughs> yeah. I, I lived it. Because <laughs> we, you know, we'd start kind of pre-gaming, you know, and okay, all right, he's... Uh, Keep drinking, keep drinking. By the time you get on stage, you're just plastered. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to start the show going up the elevator, which is takes me up into the way above the drum set. And I start the show up there with no nothing locking me in. So if I fall, like oh, that's right. The moment was you came up, <laughs> yeah. open with Chinese, right? Yeah, yeah. And you'd play the riff, and the thing would go up. And every time I'm like, every the whole all the crews standing down there going, he's gonna fall tonight. He's hammered because you're on Jaeger oh, for yeah, just, four hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I would go to some of the shows, and I would go to the the bar before the show yeah. in the hospitality room or whatever. And yeah. then you know, you're not going on till twelve. You're there at eight o'clock. Yeah, it was like I went to a show before you were in the band with my friend Mike Piazza, the baseball player. It was at the Garden in New York, right. and he we, there was a VIP hospitality backstage, and we were in there and. He was ham. Mike was hammered by the time the show started because it was like midnight. We're like, ah. uh, it, 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 what was your personal highlight in the time that you were in Guns N' Roses? Was there was there a moment? Was there a show that jumps out at you as a highlight moment? Probably Rock and Rio. <clears throat> when we played uh, Rock and Rio, we uh, um, it was pouring down rain the whole show. He was in, he was in like this yellow. Uh, raincoat or whatever but i just remember it being fun because the whole stage had puddles everywhere and i would just run as fast as i could and just slide and you'd slide for about 30 feet and i spent the whole three and a half hours up there just 
literally skiing. <laughs> it was it was the probably the funnest show ever. And Rock and Rio <clears throat> known for huge crowds yeah. and Rio and in general yeah. insane, insane crowds. So that had to be completely yeah. bonkers. Yeah. Did you um did you ever attempt to write with Axel and make new music because in all honesty they haven't made new music in <clears throat> since Chinese. You know, <clears throat> well, there's they they haven't I mean Slash admitted the other day they haven't written yet and yeah. they've been together with this 5 6 years. Yeah. Did you attempt uh, to do things with him as far as studio stuff? Yeah, I attempted. I you know by nature I'm a songwriter producer so of course I'm going to keep writing. And I wrote probably 8 to 10 uh songs and a couple of with them, with guns in mind. With guns in mind, yeah. yeah. But a lot of them were uh, too appetite sounding, and and to me as a fan, that's that wouldn't that's, be a bad thing. Yeah, to me. and most that's, people, <laughs> me as a fan, I'm like, that's what I would want to hear. Yes, you know. And so, I was like, I want to write something that sounds like it came right off of appetite, you know. And I think they were a little too, uh, they hit a little too close to home. But there was a couple where he absolutely, he was like, this song is dope. For whatever reason, um, you know, we were touring a lot we uh we never got got to a chance to get his you know get him in the studio or whatever but they didn't go anywhere uh further than just me sending him some tracks and him going ah oh, this one's dope this one's cool you know um sebastian though heard one of them i played and for to this day even when we were together la uh the last week he's like i want that fucking song that song is insane. Man. He still remembered <laughs> yeah, still it. All fucking, three of us write the yeah, Bruce Kulick yeah. show, Sebastian, DJ, and I. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, so the the uh, the end of GNR for you, you left the band. Yeah. Did you see what was coming and you left or you were leaving anyway? No, no. Um, <clears throat> I'm a huge, you know, GNR fan. The only reason I joined the band is because I have, you know, I grew up on the music. I have a ton of respect for the guys who wrote the music and, um, you know, and Axel called me and said, Hey, just want to give you a heads up slash is coming back, but I want you to be a part of this. And, um, you know, which was a really cool phone call to get, you know, and at the time I was going through a lot of different things with 6am to 6am wanted to really pick up the pace and go nuts. And, you know, for three and a half years, I played, you know, 85, 90% of, of my parts were the slash parts, you know? Um, so I didn't feel I had the brain capacity to relearn. Cause at this point it's muscle memory, you know, to relearn a three and a half hour show differently than I've been playing for the last six, seven years it's going to take some, take some work, you know? Plus I was like, um, if slash is coming back, man, this is his gig. Like, I don't, I don't need to, I can happily step out because it's kind of the best of both worlds. I can go be in the band. I helped create with, with six and, and Michael and go back to, you know, what I'm doing, you know, what I'm really good at doing. And that's 6am. And I, I've never been great at playing other people's stuff. I'm just, it's not, it's never been my thing, you know? Um, but, uh, if, if slash was coming back, that was like the best of both worlds. It's like, fuck, I get, you know, we get our, you know, most of the band back and I can go do, do what I want to do too. So it worked out great. And I backed out, uh, bowed out, I should say. And I think Richard was the, the guy for that, that slot anyway, you know, that was more the Richard role. I think he, he fits that 
way better than I would have. What's really interesting that I think a lot of people forget about the end of GNR or or that version of GNR is that Duff was there already. Oh, yeah. Uh, people always forget that. It yeah. was really Slash coming back because I yeah. saw you guys yeah, play yeah. the Golden Gods with that version yeah. with Duff because yep. uh, Tommy Stinson had left. <clears throat> Duff did like a dozen, 20 shows. He did. He, he would come out and, and, and play some shows with us. Izzy came out. You know, and played played a show or two. I remember with us, and and Izzy was awesome. He's also from Indiana, but he came out and brought brought us all presents, brought these little tiny guitar amps for for everybody. So that's kind of cool. The interesting thing about that, though, is, and I've said this many times, if you really think about it, and and you saying that Axel called you and offered you to mm. you to be a part of it yeah. supports this. He actually, what they're doing now, he actually didn't let anybody go. He just added to it, right. Because because right. uh, Duff was already there, cause, yep. so Tommy was gone. Yep. You were given the offer. You, as yep. you said, bowed out. Yep. But so really, it was pl they plugged Slash into what was yeah, there already. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, Nobody absolutely. got lost their gig. And I mean, I've, yeah, I've I think met they, I think they brought Melissa in. I think was yes. the only other thing. Right. But but other than that, yeah, it's the same, pretty much same lineup. Right. You know. Right. And I mean, <laughs> I don't know Axel well, but I've I've talked to him and met him and interviewed him a couple times, and he seems to me like there's a, a certain level of loyalty there. Like if you are yeah. part of that machine, uh, he sure there might be an addition and a change, His but loyalty, it's not going to kick yeah. you to the curb. His loyalty is so rare to find in this industry. You know, I mean to. He's just, he's a super, very loyal dude. But um, once you gain his trust, like anything else, you know, I mean, you're in. Right. Like you're, yeah, he'll have your back. He'll, you know, he's a, he's a solid dude, you know. Yeah. So DJ and I are telling stories here <laughs> during the commercial about the infamous That Metal Show interview yeah. with Axel and DJ sitting there not saying a word, which I talked about yesterday. Uh, I don't want to open up that can of worms because I want to give you a chance to talk about what you're doing now. Oh, good. So out of respect to your new music, because we need up the time. We could do hours on it. Oh, yeah. Because uh, we interviewed night. everybody from the people working on the crew to DJ. Buck Cherry was the opening act. We interviewed. Yeah everybody because we didn't expect to actually get axel yeah and then we got axel at, with a side of dj <laughs> who just sat there saying why am i here yeah and it's you know you saw it and the stories are endless about that uh legendary <laughs> moment in miami which happened at like 5 30 in the morning but before we run out of time i want to give you a chance to talk about what you're doing now now i in, in all honesty i am not an edm guy at exactly all. not yeah. my thing i'm a yeah. rock guy to my core but right. i respect what you've done thank you because you've tried and, and you're doing something that's different however what i will say about what i've heard you're doing there's a very big guitar presence to it yes and your playing is fantastic and Thank i you. love your tone and that mashed mashed up whatever the right. kids would say with the, the edm stuff right is an interesting hybrid has anybody done that that you're aware of not to not like i'm doing it i don't believe um that i i I'm definitely not the first person to play a guitar over electronic dance music, but I definitely, you know, because I have a, a really kind of signature sound, you know, I didn't go into this going, Hey, I want to be a DJ. I'm a producer songwriter. I love the genre and I saw a, you know, I'd go to, so you are an EDM guy. Oh yeah. I oh, okay. love, I love going to, you know, festivals and stuff. So, and I noticed there's, there's very little, if any guitar, like 
definitely none playing from beginning to end that I know of, you know, like, well, correct like me if I'm wrong. Cause I don't, I am not well-versed in yeah. it. Is there any live instruments at all? It's normally a couple yeah. laptops, no, isn't th- it? There is, but there there's, it's becoming more and more of a thing. It's kind of like the new thing. You know, you got like Timmy trumpet out there who DJs and he'll play trumpet now and then my thing is how cool would it be to, uh, come out with a DJ and stick to what I do, stay true to the way I play. So you can go, Oh my God, that sounds like, or that is, you know, DJ from 6am, um, you know, not, not change any, stay true to the way I play the way I do it, but find a really cool way to inject my sound into this world. And that, that was kind of the beginning. I, the, uh, the idea was like, what would it sound like if I took like, you know, uh, a Calvin Harris or a Steve Aoki and put them in a blender with Van Halen. Like, what would that sound like? You know, mainstream rock with mainstream EDM. And that was kind of the only template I had. The hardest thing about this, it took about four and a half years to finally carve out this really unique sound. And um, it, it's it's really cool. And I wanted to kind of create a new sound that if you didn't like EDM like you, you could appreciate it because there's enough rock. Which I in can't. It. That's yeah. exactly what I thought when I watched yeah. it. The videos and uh, the, your latest one is called, I think, Bella Chow. Right? Bella Chow, yeah. And and you hear, I mean, the 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 guitar line through yeah. it. I mean, the melody, the tone, it sounds great. Yeah. And then it's up against what goes on with EDM, yeah. which is is remarkably uh, popular. It's huge. I mean, yeah. especially here in Vegas, you go down the strip. Every billboard is one of these EDM yeah. guys yeah. doing this huge business. What's the response been in the early going like this for you? Unbelievable. I went in, I told Universal, um, when Universal heard this new sound, they signed me on the spot. They're like, this is fresh. This is something new. We didn't know how to describe the sound that I created because it really doesn't exist. You know, I didn't have any roadmap or anybody to follow. And I, it was a lot of trial and error figuring it out. And there's many times where I wanted to throw my computer in the pool and, and just say, nobody's ever going to get what I'm trying to do. And my goal was to, to find a way to get re-inspired as a musician, but hopefully re or hopefully go out there and inspire a new generation of kids to pick up an instrument. That was my goal. You know, I want to, if I could, play these festivals and one kid in that crowd looks up and goes, I want to do that for the rest of my life. That's what Eddie did to me, you know? So if I can pass that torch, um, you know, in, in rock, you know, there's very little collaboration. Me, if you look at my history, I've worked with a lot of different artists from different genres. I love that. I'm not just a rock guy. I've never looked at myself. I don't listen to just rock. Um, you know, so, one of the other big, you know, things was I want to be able to collaborate with a lot of different artists. So creating a new sound, the hard part is how am I going to front this? Because in our world, if you don't have a singer, you can't front the project. So in their world, it's like, you know, it's a DJ up there doing his thing. And it's not so much about the DJ. It's about the experience about the lighting, the the video content, the the way the music makes you feel. It's a, it's more of a, uh, you know, an experience, you know, with rock, it's more about who's in the band, who's on stage, less about the led screens. And you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of the opposite. Right. Um, and I wanted to bring a little bit more of that from our world into the electronic dance world to where, you know, it's, it's like a rock show, but it's a DJ with a guitar just 
going crazy out front. So are you, are you, when you're making this music, are you also doing the, the dance aspects of it? In other words, when you say the computer, like when you hear one of these songs Mm -hmm. that you're, you're doing, are you doing all of it in terms of, so, so do you have in you the ability to write and create what is traditional EDM music? And then you're bringing your guitar, you're, you're doing the whole thing or you're bringing an EDM guy in, so to speak. No, I'm creating every instrument every i'm producing it writing it um i i work with another producer a young kid uh uh jp and he's he's awesome he he does a lot of music for snl but he he's really hip he knows what's going on and i've actually you know i'm always learning you know i i'm i'm the first to say i i you know the minute you feel like you know it all you're you're done growing you know so i'm constantly you know, searching for new technology and, and what the next thing is. And, um, but yeah, you know, everything that I'm playing my guitar to, I have sat in the studio and personally played every single kick drum and every, and, uh, you know, my DJ has ability at that point to filter things and chop things and do stuff, but I'm out there playing live, playing live to a a click in my head, just like I did my entire career, you know. Are you getting booked on these? I mean, here in Vegas, the biggest one, EDC, there's these huge things. That is my goal. Are you getting booked onto that? Is that what you're working towards? That's my goal. Like, uh, Pasquale is is the man. Like, he's... That's the promoter of Electric Daisy. Yeah, and he's he's dope. And, um, you know... And we've been in talks, so I'm hoping, you know, that's that's a big goal and dream of mine is to play Tomorrowland and, and EDC and, uh, you know, all these all these cool festivals that I've, I've always gone to um, and really bring this new experience. Have they been receptive to this new sound? Because yeah. you're bringing a rock thing into it. You know, David Lee Roth famously got up and did yeah. some mashup of Jump. Yeah, so, with Armin Van Buren. So are yeah. they, has, is the dance community been open to your sound and yeah, what you're trying to do? it is. And I told the label it's going to take about four singles before anybody starts really getting this new sound and getting what I'm doing. And sure enough, four singles in, Bella Chow hits. And it just explodes on youtube it's doing really great and people are finally because it's a a familiar song a remake of an old italian classic song people people can wrap their head around oh i get this and we simply we didn't know how to describe it you know it'd take 10 minutes on the on phone calls with labels going it's so unique how do we what what and i walked in one day i go it's real simple guys it's guitar dance music that's what it is. It's GDM. It's real simple. GDM, yeah. And and that's the best way to describe it. It's guitar dance music. Hey, we're almost out of time here. Probably got 60 seconds. Anything you want to plug? Websites where people can go, hear, just, see? Just uh, go to Trunk Nation. <laughs> <laughs> My audience would go crazy if I start doing EDM on Trunk Nation. But uh, like I said, I respect no, you're trying to do something different. You. And I respect the guitar in it. And you know, I think it's it. I think it's smart what you're yeah, trying to do. I think yeah. it's unique. It's really cool. I'm never going to start another rock band, probably bigger than where I've been. So it's like I, I'm at a really fortunate place in life where I ha- I can just be an artist yeah. and and try to do something new and hopefully inspire a bunch of young kids. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, thanks to DJ for joining me. It was great to have him by the Vegas studio, and best of luck to him with his new musical project, simply called Ashba. Looks like 6 a.m. will drift in and out from time to time as well, so we'll keep an eye on that. Thank you all for listening to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday. 
always free wherever you get your podcast. Thanks to Joel Pollack for putting it all together for me. And again, follow on social media at Eddie Trunk. Have a good week. Hope you catch me on the radio on volume every day, live, 2 p.m. Eastern time on Sirius XM 106. Back here next Thursday for another all-new episode. Be sure to subscribe and listen each week to the podcast. Take care. Have a good week. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.